Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Justin News. Chock full day today, folks. We are not going to have a whole lot of time to talk about breaking news. Why? Because we're going to break some news on the show. We've got two amazing guests. First up, Glenn Youngkin, the uh, one of the top Republican tier candidates for the open Virginia governor seat this Saturday. Virginia Republicans are going to pick their nominees, including for governor. That person will run against Terry McAuliffe. Yes, the former Clinton fundraiser, one-time governor of Virginia, trying to come back for a second time after a term off, succeeding Ralph Northam, who's had a lot of problems in Virginia, a lot of controversy in Virginia, the blackface thing, uh, uh, some uh, Second Amendment issues, uh, big race. And the, the enthusiasm in Virginia is huge. 53,000 delegates are registered to show up. That's like three or four X what the normal convention would be. A lot of enthusiasm. And Glenn Youngkins, I've been on the campaign trail, is going to call in. We're going to get to hear from him what that is. And then when we, well, after we get our update on Virginia on this very important convention occurring on Saturday, we're going to go to Missouri, where the former governor, Eric Greitens, is going to join us and talk about the extraordinary, devastating, deeply concerning uh, information that was put into a complaint against the prosecutor who pursued Eric Greitens, had to drop that case. Turned out to be a false case. 63 professional misconduct violations identified in yesterday's investigation. We broke it here at just the news first. Uh, Those 63 violations by Kimberly Gardner, a source-funded prosecutor in Missouri, resulted in 79 falsehoods being injected into the court case against Eric Greitens. That is according to the chief disciplinary officer for all lawyers in Missouri. Missouri, he has ruled that Kimberly Gardner, uh, there is probable cause to believe Kimberly Gardner engaged in serious professional misconduct. She must face a disciplinary hearing. She could face serious sanction, maybe a public reprimand, maybe the stripping of her law license, would may, which would likely preclude her from being the prosecutor in St. Louis. Important stuff. We're going to get Eric Greitens' reaction right here. Going to get into a little bit of the details you're not going to want to miss this interview. We'll be right back on a commercial break. First up, Glenn Youngkin, followed by Eric Greitens, a doubleheader today on the podcast. You're not going to want to miss either. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. 
They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break and a very special opportunity. Many people don't know this, but we're two days from a very important election in the state of Virginia. Yes, it's an off year, but we've got an important election. And one of the candidates running for Virginia governor, Republican Glenn Youngkin, former co-CEO of the Carlisle Group. He's joining us right from the campaign trail. What a great opportunity. Glenn, great to have you here. John, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be on your show. You have you have tons of listeners, and I'm honored to be with you today. So thank you. Uh, it's really great. Well, you're in the final stages. There's a big convention this weekend uh, in Virginia where the Republicans will pick their nominees, including for governor. And uh, I think I saw some numbers in the last day, about 53,000 delegates, which I've lived in Virginia for 30 years. That's got to be a record for the number of delegates showing up on Saturday. It, it absolutely is. And what I've seen across this great Commonwealth is I've traveled nearly 23,000 miles in the last 14 weeks. Wow. Wow. Angry. They're frustrated, but boy, we're hopeful and we're optimistic. And the Republican Party is coming together like never before. And 50,000 people is, is three to four times what people would expect in a convention. And this just reflects the, the real motivation for Republicans to take back our Commonwealth. Yeah, there's no doubt. You can feel the vibe in the in the state, and I think people are looking for something that's new and alternative that can bring the Trump and the traditional party together and and get it done. You had a big week. You got two really super big endorsements, the governor of Oklahoma, if I remember correctly, and Senator Ted Cruz. How has that affected your campaign? Well, first of all, they were just spectacular endorsements, and I'm, I'm honored and humbled to get them. And, uh, and Governor Stitt has been a friend for a long time, and and Senator Cruz has been a friend for a long time, and, and he's actually campaigning with me to, uh, yesterday and today, and we've had giant crowds and huge enthusiasm, and it's been just a super shot in the arm. But it also helps Virginians recognize that this is a national spotlight on what's happening this year. The country is absolutely paying attention because what's been happening in Washington has been dragging this great country left to a place that people don't want to go. And so not just Virginians are ready to stand up and say no, but the country is ready to stand up and say no. And there's only two elections this year, one in New Jersey and one in Virginia. Yeah. And here's our chance. Here's our chance as Republicans and conservatives to say no. That is not the direction that we want to go. And we're going to we're going to stand up behind a great Republican candidate, Glenn Youngkin in Virginia, and we're going to make a statement. And I'm so excited about this. It, it is remarkable. And you saw the energy just a week or so ago in the Texas open uh, Texas House seat where the Republicans really just had an enormous turnout compared to Democrats. When you're out there talking to people, what's driving the enthusiasm? What's driving the concern? You know, what issues are resonating? Because this is the bellwether for 2022. So what do you see are, as the primary issues that voters are engaged on right now? Well, right now, it's the stark difference between what Terry McAuliffe and the Democrats are absolutely going to try to do, and what me as the leading Republican knows we will do. Terry McAuliffe wants to get rid of right to work, and he wants to torpedo our business climate, 
and I want to keep right to work and grow business and grow jobs and put our economy back at the top. Terry McAuliffe wants to teach our children what to think by having critical race theory in our schools and yet not teaching accelerated math before the 11th grade. And I want our schools to actually have school choice and our children to be taught how to think. No critical race theory in, in the schools when Glenn Youngkin's governor, but we will have accelerated math. We will offer advanced diplomas to kids who earn them. And we will keep the 4th of July and we will keep the Pledge of Allegiance as part of our curriculum. Terry McAuliffe absolutely wants to take away qualified immunity from our police heroes and make it nearly impossible to be in law enforcement. And I wanna invest in law enforcement and defend qualified immunity to, to, the, to the death, honestly. We must keep it because it enables our law enforcement heroes to continue to do their job. Terry McAuliffe stands right up behind Joe Biden with Joe Biden's comments that, that these amendments to our Constitution are not absolute. Well, let me tell you, I absolutely believe they are absolute, and we're going to stand up for our First Amendment rights. We're going to stand up for our Second Amendment rights. We're absolutely going to go to work and protect the unborn. And this is absolutely a moment where Virginians are seeing such a stark difference. And Terry McAuliffe and the Democrats are on the wrong side of every issue that is on the front burner for Virginians today. And this is why there's so much energy behind this election and behind our campaign, because people know that I'm the Republican candidate who can beat Terry McAuliffe, can get Virginia back Republican, and take us to a new kind of Virginia, a new day that in fact represents our shared values and puts us back where we belong as the best state in America to live and work and raise family. Now you've, you've uh, uh, been a CEO of a really iconic major company, Carlisle Group. You've done a lot of uh, your, your prior, most of your prior career has been in business. And I wonder, as you look out, the, the elite class of pol uh, politicians, most of them have spent their careers in politics in some way, and you're bringing a CEO's perspective what are some of the ways that a CEO would take over Virginia, which has had a lot of trouble under Ralph Northam, and, uh, and try to put it back on a, on a feat that Americans and Virginians would feel really good about? What are some of the things that you, you have in mind for the future of Virginia as, if you were to be governor? Yo, John, well, first, uh, Governor Northam is leaving me a mess, just, just a mess. And on day one, we're going to open up Virginia. Businesses open schools open, houses of worship open. And then we have got to carve back this immense layer of red tape and bureaucracy that he has poured on top of all businesses, but is so fundamentally damaged small business, which is the backbone of our community. And so we have to get open and then we have to carve back regulations and make it easier and cheaper to do business. And then we have to go to work on getting our cost of living down. Sadly, our peer states of Tennessee and North Carolina and South Carolina and even Georgia, they have a lower cost of living than Virginia, and Virginians are leaving for that reason. So we've got to get going on getting our tax rates down, getting utility bills down, and just delivering such a better opportunity for Virginians, more jobs than they can take, and a much more competitive and lower cost of living, and then the kind of future in schools where Virginians want their children to attend. And I'm gonna reiterate this again. Virginia's school system has just absolutely moved so far left that Virginia families don't wanna be here. And so we're gonna press forward with school choice. We're gonna press forward with charter schools. 
and we are absolutely going to make sure that our curriculum is focused on Virginia's kids being allowed to be in the fast lane to, to excel, not as Terry McAuliffe wants to do, is pull everybody into the broken down lane. And we are not about to allow critical race theory to be taught in our schools. We're going to actually teach fact-based history. Yes, both the bad and the good, but it's not going to be a political agenda. It's going to be a real academic curriculum. And these are the issues that as a, as a, as a CEO, I actually spent my whole career on delivering results, not empty promises. And I think politicians so often make promises, don't keep them, and then come back and ask for your vote. And oh, by the way, that's what Terry McAuliffe did for Virginia. Lots of empty promises, and here he is again asking for votes. And my business career is unlike anybody else in this race, no Republican or no Democrat. I have just had the real, real-world training of understanding how to deliver results, and that's what I want to go do for Virginia. It's uh, it's an extraordinary um, moment because you know uh, Virginia was a red state for a long time. It became a purple state, and I think this election tests whether uh, the Democrats have gone too far for purple. I think the agenda today and the Virginia sentiments in that purple parts of the state uh, may, may really be tested by some of the things that you've mentioned. You know, the the funding police or taking rid of uh, getting rid of qualified immunity, the the school disputes that we've seen played out in Loudoun County, for instance. Lots of extraordinary uh, moments that sort of indicate that maybe the Democrats are going one or two bridges too far for the for the folks of uh, Virginia. Now, the first order at hand is we, we got to wrap up the convention this weekend. There's a five-fold uh, race at the top of the uh, ticket here. Uh, you've got Pete Snyder, Amanda Chase, and some others. What happens this Saturday? What's your expectation uh, with so many new delegates coming in? Uh, what are some of the factors to watch to see how uh, how the winner emerges? Well, as we mentioned earlier, the biggest factor is the enormous participation relative to any convention in Virginia's history. And that has been really encouraging, but also it's vital because we're going to win through addition and multiplication of the Republican Party, not through subtraction and division. Yeah. And so we've been running a completely differentiated kind of campaign to pull people into this process people who are really, really stalwart Republicans, but have just not participated in these kinds, of, these kinds of processes. And guess what? They have come in busloads. And so that's been huge, uh, hugely encouraging. And so on set, everyone to show up. Republicans have to come together and participate. And then this convention, the whole purpose of this convention is, yes, to pick a candidate who can conservative views and get things done. And that's what Glenn Youngkin will do. But more importantly, to pick a candidate who can win in November. And elections have consequences, John, and you know that. And the consequences in in Virginia for the last eight years have absolutely been crushing for Virginia. And so here's our chance. With the Democrats in Washington and the Democrats in Richmond serving up some of the silliest, most ridiculous things we've ever talked about, like not teaching accelerated math to our students, we have a moment to bring Virginians together and do something that absolutely changes the future of this great commonwealth, but also changes the future of our country. We're going to make a statement as Republicans that we've had enough, and we're going to bring our commonwealth back to where she belongs, which is the best state in America to live and work and raise a family. Yeah, it's such a great, and also the, one of the things I've noticed, and a lot of people, I've, I've talked to a lot of observers, they really like the optimism. I mean, there, there's some people said you have a Reagan-like optimism in, in how you've gone about this election. 
Uh, a lot of the other candidates have you know, different styles. They all have different personalities. But you, you have this very optimistic uh, tone. And I'm wondering, after all of the vitriol of the last eight or nine years, whether that is some factor that you're seeing, that people are kind of tired of the complaining, whining, gnashing of teeth and fighting, and what they really want is someone that says, we can get this done. Are you, are, are, do you sense that voters are a little bit tired of the vitriol? I, I do. I think, the, I think that voters are tired of negative ads. I think voters are tired of tearing down. And I'm guided by my faith. And what my faith tells me yeah. is there is light ahead of us. And all we have to do is run to it. And so I, what I've heard from Virginians, whether, whether I'm at a libertarian breakfast or a tea party lunch or with a group of forever Trumpers or a group of never Trumpers or a group of single issue voters, or even a group of independents and Democrats. What I've heard over and over again is that, Glenn, we cannot afford another term of the McAuliffe-Northam administration, but even more so, we want something different. We want something new, Glenn. We are for you. And that is amazingly humbling. And I do believe that Virginians just want a new day. We want to actually get back to where we know Virginia should be, which is just the best state in America. It was like that when I was growing up. It was like that when my kids were small. And what Terry McAuliffe and Ralph Northam has done to Virginia is just so unacceptable and wrong. And Virginians are ready to lock arms and march into a new day. It's, it's interesting. Some of the political analysts I talk to say that Virginia feels like 1993, as does the country in some respect, right? The, uh, George H.W. Uh, Bush lost the election to Bill Clinton. Republicans were nationally in some mourning. And then uh, Virginia had a Democratic governor, uh, Wilder. And then it gave rise to uh, the George Allen administration and, and a, a, a pretty significant Republican surge in 93 and then again in 94. Do you see Republicans, we have these different facts. You mentioned them all. I think you caught them all and had great uh, answer. Uh, you got the never Trumpers, the forever Trumpers, the uh, traditional uh, Republican uh, base. And then, you, you know, you've got single issue voters. Uh, guns has become a big issue because of some of the actions that Northam and the legislature took. Um, do you see uh, uh, the party putting aside some of its narrower differences and really wanting to be uh, unified in, in, in message and in, in approach going into this election? Yeah, absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. And, and what's been most encouraging is that folks recognize the magnitude of this election. As I said earlier, elections have consequences. And what we've seen out of Richmond over the last three legislative sessions, two regulars and a special, has been such an amazing demonstration of running a combine through a wheat field and just changing Virginia more and more and more into California faster than anybody could have possibly imagined. And this is not representative of Virginia's values. I mean, here you have a governor who espoused to keep a child who was born comfortable while we decide whether that child will live or die. These are not Virginia's values. And Virginians recognize that, and they recognize the importance of this election, of choosing a candidate on Saturday who can turn around and run the kind of campaign that must be run, that we will run a differentiated kind of campaign than any Republican governor has ever run in this Commonwealth, and beat Terry McAuliffe and have a Republican governor, a Republican lieutenant governor, a Republican attorney general, we're going to bring at least six more seats back to our, our House of Delegates. We're going to take back our House of Delegates. And we are so ready to get moving and get this done. And I've just felt this amazing surge of, of support and enthusiasm across Virginia over the course of the last three or four weeks. And 
having Senator Cruz on the road with me has been spectacular. Yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun, so, huh? So meaningful. The crowds are big. People actually see that this can happen. And uh, it is it is really, really, really special right now in Virginia. And we're going to get this done. Yeah, it's a, it's going to be, it's funny. Even the mainstream media, my old employer, The Hill, a lot of people are talking about, wow, hey, this convention is so big. There's something going on in the Republican movement of Virginia that has to be watched. And I think that everyone is starting to wise up that uh, this could be one of the more momentous elections going into 2022. And uh, it'll be fun to watch this convention. I want to take you back to your CEO's role just for a second, because I've been thinking about this and I know you, 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 you threaded this needle so well when you were the head of Carlisle. The, there, we talk about the Democratic Party maybe going a bridge too far to the left and, and being out of sync with Virginians or purple state and Republican state voters. Corporate America's had a, a weird moment where it's sort of been pushed into some political issues that normally companies stay out of it. I'm just curious as you look at it from a CEO's perspective, someone who's very successful, ran a prestigious company, um, is there a, a moment where corporate America may want to reflect and say, hey, some of these debates that we got dragged into, not sure that that's where we ought to be. We want to be uh, the largest possible corporate you know, audience for us. Uh, do you think corporate America has been a little knee-jerk reaction to some of the things that have occurred in the last uh, 12 to 24 months? I absolutely do. And I think the best reflection of that is what's happened in Georgia. Yeah. And I think what's happened, sadly, is we have these keyboard warriors that are trying to drag corporate America left to see how far they can pull them left. Yep. And yet I would, you know, with, in, in respect of Georgia, I, I wish that the CEOs in corporate America had, in fact, read the bill. They just read the bill as opposed to what these keyboard warriors were trying to make them do, then they would have absolutely caught their breath and it made different decisions. And this is why I quit my job. This is why I left Carlisle, because I absolutely felt there was a moment in Virginia that where I was so tired of what our left liberal leadership was doing to this great commonwealth, I was so frustrated that the Republican Party had demonstrated that all they were good at in statewide elections is losing. And I felt like there's such a different way to do this. And here was our opportunity. And so that's why I left Carlisle. And that's why I got into this race. And this is why my family and I are putting everything we've got into winning Virginia back. But it's not about me. It's about us. It's about Virginians coming together and actually collectively deciding that we want a different future than what the Democrats have laid out both in Richmond and in Washington. And this absolutely is going to get done. And I cannot wait to go work for Virginians as the next governor of Virginia. Uh, it's going to be a, a fascinating week and a momentous weekend. And, and the Republicans are going to come out with remarkable clarity. And then then the true race begins uh, leading up to uh, to November. Any last thoughts as, as you're watching the weekend? What are uh, what should people be looking for in Virginia as bellwether signs? What are the biggest messages beyond the winners? What do you think the biggest message this uh, convention will send uh, uh, the, the media, the political establishment and the voters of Virginia? I think the very biggest message is, one, the number of Republicans who are participating enthusiastically. And then second of all, the second we come out of this, we are going to come together and lock arms and be unified as a party to go win in November. And this is what it's all about. Participation, heavy involvement, lots of energy, and unity as a Republican Party to go win in November. 
Yeah, those are that's going to be the key thing. And I think a lot of people will probably see that on display as this happens this week. And Glenn, I want to wish you and all the Republicans great luck this week. And it's an important weekend. Uh, we're going to come out with some clarity and we hope to get you back on the show as the, the fall campaign begins. John, thank you so much for having me. Anybody that wants to learn more can visit me at youngkinforgovernor.com. It's Y-O-U-N-G-K-I-N forgovernor.com. You can follow us on social media at, at Glenn Youngkin on all the social media platforms. And again, thank you so much for having me, and I hope you have a blessed day. You too, sir. Good luck out there. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. All right, folks. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have the former governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens, and a story that uh, we have been following and breaking news on for an entire year here at Just the News, the unraveling of a bogus criminal investigation. Does that sound familiar? We did that in Russia, remember? Russia collusion, a bogus criminal investigation in Missouri that took down a rising star of the Republican Party, a, a uh, former Navy SEAL, someone who came in with Donald Trump unexpectedly in the 2016 election, then taken out by a George Soros-funded prosecutor who, after charging him with essentially what we, I would call sexual extortion, uh, had to go to the court and admit they never really had the goods, they didn't have the evidence, the case evidence didn't exist. Now, that's the story we've been breaking over the last year. Yesterday, as I promised, big, big news. That prosecutor, Kimberly Gardner, 63 rule violations determined by the chief disciplinary officer for all lawyers in Missouri, 79 falsehoods in the court proceedings attributed to her behavior in this extraordinary filing. Eric Greitens has been claiming for many years that he was a victim here, that this was a political dirty trick akin to Russia collusion. The evidence is now in the public. It's pretty devastating. When we come back from the commercial break, Eric Greitens is gonna be joining us. You're not gonna to wanna to miss it. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And as we mentioned on this show yesterday, we were going to break a big story, and we did. It is the findings of the chief disciplinary officer for the state of Missouri for all lawyers. And the findings, as I described earlier in the show, devastating to this Soros-funded prosecutor, Kimberly Gardner, and vindicating to the man that Gardner pursued, charged criminally, and then had to withdraw the charges in the absence of evidence, the former governor of Missouri, Eric Greitens. And Eric is joining us today. Eric, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks so much for having me on, man. Really appreciate it. You know, yesterday must have been a bittersweet day for you because you've been saying for the longest time since the charges were dismissed in this case that this was a setup, this was a bad prosecution, it mirrors what happened in Russia, collusion, and finally, a person in authority, beyond the judge who dismissed the charges, uh, a person in authority agreed and said Kimberly Klasik engaged in 63 acts of professional misconduct that resulted in 79 falsehoods in your case what was that like when you saw that uh, those words? 
You know, John, it was really, really nice to have the truth finally come out. Uh, and it just it proves what we've been saying all along, that because I fought for the people of Missouri, because I stood up for our police officers, because we defeated Antifa when they came to the state of Missouri, I was attacked by a George Soros-funded prosecutor. And that's exactly what Kim Gardner is. She received the vast majority of her funding directly from George Soros. She used it to push a radical agenda, including making up a false case against me. Um, as, you've, as you've covered and others have covered already, her lead investigator has been charged with seven felonies yes. for perjury and evidence tampering for creating a false case against me. And now... Now the truth has come out, and I believe it's 62 acts of misconduct, which you detailed in your reporting, 79 false statements. It's an extraordinary amount of misconduct. She did all of this to drive me from office because I was a fighter for the people of Missouri, and specifically because I stood up and fought for our police officers. You know, I've, I've said this for a long time, and I think in the story that Christina and I did a year ago that really kind of went through the evidence for the first time, whether it's the testimony of the accuser, uh, the uh, failures of the investigator, uh, or the conduct of the prosecutor, Kimberly Garden. Gardner, you can see this misconduct, but yesterday there, I, there were some things that were even remarkable to me in, in this uh, lawyer's founding, in, in this uh, disciplinary action, or the beginning of the disciplinary action. Kimberly Gardner, according to the uh, complaint, violated your civil uh, rights to a, a fair trial by keeping an exculpatory evidence away from you. And I've been saying this case feels the closest thing I've seen anywhere in real America to what they tried to do with Donald Trump and uh, Russia collusion. As you look yes. back now, was this the same playbook? They were running a playbook on you that was like Donald Trump? It, it was exactly the same playbook. And, and part of that playbook is you come in and you get someone, in my case, you had a George Soros-funded prosecutor who makes a series of wild, false accusations. And then, and then the media is complicit in this. And then a lot of the folks in the mainstream media, they go out and they just repeat and repeat and repeat all of those false accusations. They do it day after day, month after month. We saw that wish with the Russia-Trump collusion hoax. For years, they were pushing this false story. That's exactly what they did to me. You know, unfortunately, in my case, this happened right before Brett Kavanaugh. This happened before the Russia-Trump collusion hoax was exposed. And so now I think the people of Missouri, I think the people of the country are much wiser. They've seen that this is part of the George Soros and radical left playbook, but you're exactly right. It's just like what they did to President Trump in the Russia collusion hoax. When, when you go through the offenses, the 62, 63 offenses, the rule violations for lawyers, for prosecutors, uh, one of the things is withholding exculpatory evidence. Boy, that sounds just like Carter Page and all the things that we learned yeah. there. But you go into some of the other things. She actually is accused of lying to her own prosecutors so that they would walk into court and give a false explanation yeah. to the court. You've been around law enforcement. You've been involved in politics. Have you ever heard of a prosecutor lying to her own team before? 
It is an extraordinary level of misconduct. She's lying to her own team. And for, for folks who are listening and just hearing this for the first time, it's important to also recognize how crazy unusual what she did to me was and, and why she did it. So again, a George Soros-funded prosecutor, instead of using the police or instead of using her own investigators, she goes out and she hires, uh, at the expense of taxpayers, William Tisby, a former FBI agent. Again, that's the guy who's now been charged with right, seven, seven felonies for yeah. perjury and evidence tampering, tampering for yeah. making up a false case against me. But she goes out to work with this guy specifically to build a false case. And then, as you mentioned, this report details, not only did she lie to the court, not only did she withhold all of the evidence that proved that I was innocent, that she knew that from the beginning, she lies to her own prosecution team. That's the depths to which these George Soros-funded prosecutors will go in order to attack their political enemies. And uh, I guess the, the final set of lies were to the review board, to the actual investigation that was looking at her law license. So at least she was consistent. If you believe this report, and it seems to be very thoroughly done, uh, the facts are very just, they're laid out very matter-of-factly, right? There's no, there's no uh, adjectives here. It's just straightforward. She said this, the document shows that. She said this, the court record shows that. Uh, but she's even accused of lying to the investigator at the end. It's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. I want to go out to something that I don't think a lot of people, even those who have read uh, the story I did with Christine Dolan a year ago, I really, there wasn't a complainant who came into the police or to the prosecutors to make an allegation against you. The allegation here was sexual extortion. It was clearly blown up at the end of the day. But Katrina Sneed, the woman that uh, ultimately is portrayed as the complainant, when you read this document yesterday, the prosecutor actually went out of state and solicited her and met with her, I think, in Illinois, if I read it correctly. How often do prosecutors go out and try to find a crime victim when no one's come in to report a crime? Well, that, that's also what's extraordinary there is that now what this shows and what this proves is that you've got a Soros-funded prosecutor who's literally starting from scratch trying to create a crime. And as you and others have reported, we also know that a journalist, a convicted felon in the state of Missouri, paid $120,000 in cash to people who lied about me. You've got a George Soros-funded prosecutor going out trying to find a victim, trying to find someone who they can get to make false allegations. And again, the seven felony charges for perjury, for evidence tampering now, the 79 false statements that this Soros-funded prosecutor made, all of this is becoming clear. The truth is coming out. And again, you ask yourself, why do they do this? They do this because I was fighting for the people of Missouri. And the most tragic thing is, and it's been, it's been very, very nice. I've gotten you know a ton of heartwarming emails and texts from folks saying, hey, so glad for you. This must feel great to have the truth coming out, et cetera. And it does. At, at, a, at a personal level, it, it's very good to have that truth come out. But it's also the case that this is a Soros-funded prosecutor who's been pushing for defunding the police. This is a Soros-funded prosecutor who, when I was out of office, she refused to prosecute people who were engaged in assaulting people who were in prayer. She refuses to prosecute murders. And unfortunately, what's happening is that you're seeing a tremendous rise in murder 
in the city of St. Louis, these Soros-funded prosecutors, their reckless actions lead to lawlessness, and that's hurting real people across the city. Now, as we look out at this, uh, the next step for Kimberly Gardner, she must go before disciplinary hearing board. The board will make a recommendation based on the fact finding that was already done on what sort of penalty could occur. And it could range from admonishment to pulling her law license. And then the Missouri Supreme Court will act. People will say, well, that will ultimately, that process will ultimately provide you vindication. But I went back into the Missouri news articles over the last few weeks, even like when you announce, and I want to get this a second, you're running for Senate in 2022, you're making a political comeback. Yeah. You continue to be called the disgraced former governor of Missouri. How do you get your reputation back when all the facts show the accusations against you were uh, unsubstantiated in many cases based on, well, now 79 falsehoods? How does that process work? Do you ever get your reputation back to where it was pre-2016? You know, I, I think for me, I've just had to take a very, a very stoic uh, approach to this. Uh, one of the things that we talked about a lot in Navy SEAL training uh, was the fact that you cannot control things outside of yourself. Yeah. I can't control, obviously, what the propaganda press says. I can't control what leftists are going to push. I can't control what the establishment or the swamp, how they're going to attack me. All I know is that now good people know what the facts are. And I've been very heartened that literally tens of thousands of people across the state of Missouri, they know the facts. They know that I'm a fighter for them. They've been incredibly uh, supportive around this. And yes, it is, it's a shame that you'll have leftists and you'll have you know folks in the mainstream media who continue to push lies that they know are false. But I think at this point, um, so much has changed, even since 2016. You go to you go to Southeast Missouri. You go to Jackson County. You go to Christian County. You go to Taney County. You're traveling around the state of Missouri. People don't believe the mainstream media anymore, yeah, and that's, that's why they go true. to places like Just the News. That's why do they go to places like Real America's Voice because they want to get the truth about what's happening. Yeah, such a great point. Uh, I don't think those who are the professional practitioners in the traditional media realize how far they have eroded their credibility with everyday people who, by the way, want news. They just don't want news that's loaded. They like it to be accurate for once, right? Yeah. And um, it is a remarkable moment in uh, history. Now, there is still an ongoing special prosecutor's investigation. Obviously, it's kind of frozen with the Tisby trial been delayed by the COVID uh, pandemic, but eventually Tisby is going to go to trial. And then the final decision will be, uh, do, uh, does the prosecution team, does, Kim, uh, does Kimberly Gardner or others on her team get indicted for the misconduct that's now so clearly laid out in uh, the disciplinary counsel's report? Is there a roadmap in your mind, as someone who's been accused by this prosecutor, aggrieved by this prosecutor, is there a roadmap potentially to pursue criminal charges based on what the uh, uh, disciplinary counsel laid out as a factual predicate yesterday? It certainly seems that all of the facts are there. All of the facts are there. It's an incredible amount of misconduct. I mean, you think about what the left has tried to do like attacking people for, you know, for one potential misstatement. This is 62 acts of misconduct, 79 false statements that she made, pushing a case when she knew that what she was saying 
uh, was false, violates her oath as a prosecutor. She clearly broke the law. I hope that justice comes for her, and I also hope it's the beginning because there are Soros-funded prosecutors who are doing the same thing across America, often attacking police officers. I hope that, that this is an indication that the tide is starting to turn and that we're going to see, ju see justice across the country. Yeah, it, it, it clearly is. And that's something that people are crying out for. There has to be a consequence to these behaviors that occurred yes. at the FBI against Trump, against you in the uh, St. Louis prosecutor's office. Because if not, the temptation to do this time and time again is going to increase, not decrease. Yes. Uh, she clearly is facing some penalty now for the first time. This is a serious matter. This isn't a schloff it off matter. Um, I was struck by her response that the race card was injected in there, that I'm being persecuted, meaning uh, Kimberly Gardner's claiming she was being persecuted because she tried to take on police racism, that she's been the uh, victim of racist targets, that this is a, uh, there's a white prosecutor looking at her. I don't know that the race of the prosecutor should matter, right? It should just be, you know, who um, does the race card fail? Do the p good people of St. Louis look at this and say, Wow, we don't want our prosecutors lying because if they lie on Eric Greitens, maybe they'll lie on that drug case or on that on that robbery or on that uh, armed uh, assault. Um, there is a credibility issue that no matter what your political stripe is, you just don't want prosecutors lying to get a conviction. Do you think the people of the very blue city of St. Louis might take some uh, notice in what what's been alleged of their chief prosecutor? I do. I do. Um, I, I can tell you just just from the reactions yesterday, people across the city are taking notice, and they're they're you know white citizens, black citizens. This is not an issue where race should matter. No prosecutor should be allowed to attack someone for political reasons, make nearly eighty false statements, uh, manufacture a false case, hire a former FBI agent to help them commit acts of felony perjury and evidence tampering. No one should be allowed to do that. And it should be something that worries everyone, whether you're Democrat, Republican, liberal, conservative. The entire basis of the Constitution is rooted in the idea that people are equal before the law and that, that there's a fair administration of justice. Yeah. So I think this is going to concern a lot of people. And it's also going to concern people because this has real consequences. Um, again, unfortunately, you have far, far too many people being murdered across the state uh, of Missouri and particularly in the city of St. St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. yeah. As, as of five days ago, you know, you already have a 23 percent increase in homicides in St. Louis since 2020, which was which was a record year. So it's mm. just getting worse and worse. And it's important to remember that, you know, this not only had a, a personal consequence for me, but when they do this, every single one of these crimes has a tremendous and lifelong devastating impact on families across uh, the state of Missouri. And that's why these Soros-funded prosecutors have to face justice. I've been blessed to get to know you personally a little bit, and we've worked together a little bit at Just the News on a television project. And uh, one of the things I don't think people know uh, much about, but twice in the last year, you've confronted a victim of that violence and tried to help someone that was in harm's way, injured, passed away as a result. Tell us about those incidents, starting with the students uh, last summer, I think or spring or summer, uh, when that young young man was shot to death in, in St. Louis. You've, you've seen it firsthand. Um, what happened that night when you, you came to the aid of that of that brave student? 
Yeah, so it was it was just uh, last summer. Um, I was actually on a news program talking about how when I was governor, we had defeated Antifa when they came to Missouri. And I was talking about the fact that you can do this, that it takes courage. Well, afterwards, a buddy of mine and I went out. We were having dinner at a, at a, a nice restaurant near one of the nicest corners in the city of St. Louis. It was during the summer, about 8 o'clock at night, but the, so the sun is still out. We're out, and we hear 15 to 25 automatic gunshots go off. Mm. It sounded to me, as a Navy SEAL, just like what you'd hear in Iraq and Afghanistan. Well, my buddy and I, we grabbed our weapons. I carry a med kit in my car. We jumped in my car. We raced up. It was only about 50 yards to the scene. We got on the scene, and we saw that night there were two young men who had been shot they were both killed that night. We tried to render aid. We we, we, did, we did render aid. Yeah. Um. And the young men were were living when we when we got there. But unfortunately, because of this extraordinary level of violence, both of them uh, passed away that night. Uh, tragic. These were both John also good young men. That's right. Twenty and twenty one years old. Not a parking ticket between nope. them. High school graduates. They had jobs. They'd done internships. They had bright futures. They really did have and, bright futures, didn't they? Yeah. Snuffed they, out. They, 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 they did. And it was just, you know, extraordinary. I met with both of their um, parents. And I will tell you, again, we have to remember, when we talk about what these Soros-funded prosecutors do, when we talk about what happens when you attempt to defund the police, this rise in violence is destroying families. But I'll give you one one glimmer of, of courage and, and hope that the first young man who we were um, working on uh, that, that night who passed away, his brother made a decision that night that he was going to do something about this. And he next week is graduating from the St. Louis Police Academy. How about that? So, so it's just it just it just shows there's so much courage, there's so much common sense, there's so much willingness of people to stand up and to fight for their communities mm. and to to do, to do the right thing, and and it, it it's one of the things that I I'm so excited about. You know, I, I'm I'm running for the United States Senate. Yes, uh, we have so many strong citizens across the state of Missouri who support our police, who support law and order, who support common sense, who are willing to act with courage, and that. That's just one uh, example. So yes, I was, you know, obviously did what I was what I was trained to do in in the SEAL teams, and was was you know uh, happy to, to to do everything I, I could that night. But it's just a tragic instance of the kinds of consequences that come when we allow lawlessness um, to to run rampant in our cities, and yet also a reminder of the tremendous courage and resilience of, of our, our average citizen. It is a reminder, and uh, and I think that uh, the fact that 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 young man's brother is now going to go into public service, go into yeah. police department in a city where defunding and shaming the police seemed to be the standard, at least for the prosecutor. I mean, the prosecutor didn't even trust her own police department to handle the investigation of you, maybe because it was contrived from the beginning. But yeah. um, it's remarkable that that young man's going in there. And that, that's such a great story. Really, really makes me feel good. Uh, let's talk about the Senate race as the last thing as we wrapped up here. You're yeah. in. Uh, you've got, you know, polling shows, really strong um, name recognition. What's How do you work your way to the path to the nomination? And then what does the race look like in 2022? What do you think the issues are 
that the people of Missouri are going to decide who their next senator uh, is uh, over. Yeah, so we're we're in an incredibly strong position right now. So uh, President Trump's uh, pollster is on our team. He released the poll recently, had us at 44 and our closest opponent at nine. Wow. Uh, We've been doing grassroots events around the state of Missouri, signing up thousands of volunteers. So many folks on President Trump's team have come in to endorse us. The woman who ran the Women for Trump 2020 Coalition endorsed us, and Hispanics for Trump 2020, Black Voices for Trump, Jewish Americans for Trump, Fighters for Trump. They've all come in and, and endorsed us, which has been great. Honored that Kimberly Guilfoyle, has come on board. She's the national chair now of right. our campaign. She's doing an extraordinary job for us. So we've got a tremendous amount of momentum, feeling very, very strong about where we're at right now. And, you know, we were talking about it, the number one issue, the number one issue wherever we go around the state of Missouri, and there are many issues, but the number one issue is law and order. People want someone who is willing to stand up and fight for our police officers, fight for common sense, and make sure that we can restore order um, in our cities. St. Louis and Kansas City, two of the 10 most violent cities in the country are in the state of Missouri. Missouri is a state of only 6 million people. We've got to defend and stand up for our law enforcement officers. Pretty extraordinary, pretty amazing times. And um, a bellwether race in Missouri for sure. We'll all be watching that. I think even more importantly, we got to watch to see how this trail of accountability plays out with Kimberly Gardner yeah. and, and the misconduct that occurred in your case. Eric, thanks for all you do. You're on our shows. We, we get to talk to you all the time here. We're very lucky to tap your expertise on security, police, politics when you're around. And uh, we're just so grateful for the time and, and uh, look forward to having you on again as the Senate race uh, continues to evolve. Yes, sir. Honor, honored to be on with you, John. Thank you so much, sir. All right. Sounds good, Eric. Take care, brother. All right, folks, uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, time to wrap things up for the day. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks. That wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. What an extraordinary opportunity. We got Glenn Youngkin from the campaign trail two days before the Virginia Republican nominee is picked for governor in this off-year election 2021 it's only about new jersey and uh virginia those are the only two states with statewide elections this year but very significant very important uh to understand the dynamic there and you know uh, glenn youngkin is really a great representation of all the people who are running there's an enthusiasm on the republican side in virginia that i haven't seen i covered it for many years democrats have done a very good job in virginia rolling up the vote. This feels like a 1993 year, and I think you heard from Glenn Youngkin why. There's enthusiasm, record numbers of delegates, two, three times the normal number, maybe four times if I remember correctly my math. This is a convention that's going to send uh, a message through the political establishment that, that, that 2021 
elections are going to be in play in a very different way. Glenn Youngkin's a very different candidate, hasn't been a career politician, was a CEO of a very prestigious company. We want to watch those results. We'll have you covered all weekend at justthenews.com. So be prepared for that. And then, of course, Eric Greitens. Go back and read the documents we put up on the site. Go. This is a travesty of justice. The prosecutor in this case, the George Soros predominantly funded prosecutor in this case, has now been accused of a type of misconduct, a sweeping misconduct that should trouble us all. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat or Republican, an independent, someone that's apolitical. You simply don't want prosecutors telling the court lies, telling her own prosecution lies, pick handpicking an outside investigator and skipping the St. Louis police, all the things that Kimberly Gardner did in this raises trouble. Whether you're a Democrat, Republican, we wouldn't want a Republican doing this either. We don't want anyone to misuse or or cause falsities, false reality to be levied upon a criminal court like what happened here. Her conduct had enormous consequences. It took the popular elected governor of Missouri and unnecessarily pressured him to resign. This case was bad from the beginning. It was political from the beginning. I'm not saying that Kimberly Gardner chose it for politics, but it got involved in politics. Uh, but what is clear is that in her conduct in pursuing this case, her chief investigator now accused of seven felonies awaiting trial. She's been accused of 63 professional misconduct violations. Uh, that is a serious matter for a lawyer, particularly a prosecutor who has additional responsibilities under the law. Uh, important stuff. And I think you heard from Eric today why that is so disturbing. I hope you enjoyed both of them. We'll be back tomorrow with the one and only Kimberly Klasick. Yes, the woman who turned politics upside down in Baltimore last year, that famous YouTube video uh, challenging African-American voters in the very blue city of Baltimore to maybe just give Republicans a shot, think a little differently. Maybe there's a new way to approach this. Uh, she's here to tell us what she's been doing since then, what's going on, what the reaction has been, how race in, uh, is playing out in the current environment of uh, politics today. Really great conversation. I know you're going to enjoy that tomorrow. Uh, so we'll be back tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you again. May God bless this great country of America as he always has. Uh, good night. Godspeed. Talk to you tomorrow.